Father, we pray your glory continues to reign in this place. Father, I pray that somebody watching, somebody in this studio right now, get set free from whatever it is. Father, I pray you would minister. I pray you would dismantle. God, I pray you would rearrange. I pray you would transform in the name of Jesus. Can we just worship for one second? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless your name. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen. And amen. Can you give God the biggest praise you can right now? Can you give God the biggest praise you can right now? In this room, can you give God the biggest praise you can? Watching from around the world, can you give God the biggest praise? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it is a pleasure to be with Change Church. My God in here. Let me tell you how much of a privilege and an honor it is to be able to stand before you. First, I want to give a shout out real quick before we get into the message to Pastors Darius and Shamika Daniels. Can we give God praise for them? I'm telling you, man. Darius Daniels is one of the most brilliant minds I have ever encountered in my life. And it's a, an honor to be connected um, to him and, and uh, Lady Shamika. Well, who's ready for the word today? I say, who's ready for the word today? All right, let's get it. Let's get our Bibles. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at Luke chapter 9. I'm going to lift my subject from Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse number 32. Luke chapter number 9, verse number 32. It says, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake... They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Now, when Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Real quick, I want to preach for you from the subject. Don't sleep during the good part. Tell somebody next to you, say, don't sleep during the good part. <laughs> Amen. In this particular pericope, we're given the privilege of being able to see the intimate conversation between Jesus and his disciples as Jesus is preparing their hearts for his death and his departure. To set the stage for what we see in chapter 9, verse 28, in chapter 9, verse 18, Jesus asked his disciples two questions. 
The first question he asked was, who do the multitudes say that I am? The second question he asked, y'all know this, is who do you say that I am? Now understand that these two particular questions are not random. Jesus is not just asking them random questions. Jesus ain't asking them because he just wants, Jesus is going somewhere. These questions are two of the most important questions they've ever had as followers of Jesus. And here's why. I want you to understand that the perspective of a disciple should always be antithetical to that of the multitude. The, the perspective of a disciple should always be antithetical to that of the multitude. The multitude knew Jesus based on what he could do for them. But the disciples knew him based on what he revealed to them. The, the multitude followed Jesus to get stuff. But the disciples knew Jesus and followed Jesus in order to be something. The multitude got satisfaction from his crucifixion, but the disciples got empowered by his resurrection. And I'm here to tell you, we've got way too many believers who should have a disciple's disposition, but are stuck with a multitude mentality. Did you hear what I said? We got way too many folks who proclaim Jesus, who should have a dis dis disposition of a disciple, but are stuck with a multitude mentality. What do you mean? God is only good when you feel like it. That the multitudes, one of the benefits of the blood, without the submission that comes from his lordship. And so Jesus sets up his next move by asking those two questions. And out of the 12 men standing in front of him, one of them got the answer right. Y'all know his name is Peter. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, and Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but it has been revealed to you by my father in heaven. Now, fast forward to verse 28, and here's what we're going to hit up. Luke 9, 28. It says about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up to the mountain to pray. So now logically and theologically, we have to ask ourselves the question, what exactly happened eight days before this the writer wants us to refer to? Early in chapter 9, we see Jesus sends out his disciples to cast out demons. In chapter 9, we see Jesus sends them to heal the sick. We see Jesus feeding 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. We see uh, Peter gets this revelation of the father to, from the Father about who Jesus was. And in verse 23 of chapter 9, we see Jesus tells his disciples that if they're going to follow him, they got to take up their crosses. In other words, they got to be willing to die. Then after all of this, the writer says eight days after this, Jesus took them up to a mountain and showed them his glory. Now, it seems as if Luke, the physician, you do know he is a physician, Luke, Luke, the physician wants us to know a specific number of days after Jesus has these encounters with his disciples. Why? Genesis chapter 17, verse 12. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Philippians 3, verses 4 and 5. If anybody else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day. So the significance of the eighth day is that circumcision was done only eight days after birth. Even in science, on the eighth day, there's enough vitamin K in the body for the surgery to be performed to where there's not hemorrhaging and clot. So the eight days before verse 28, we see a series of births. And then eight days after birthing at a mountain, we see a circumcision. We see Jesus is taking the three he's getting ready to bless and he tries to cut away what's left of what's keeping them from seeing who he really is so in Luke 9 28 somebody say he's going somewhere 
Jesus has taken three of his disciples up the side of the mountain to reveal who he is. Notice he didn't take everybody. Anytime he wants to pray, he only takes three. He takes Peter this time because Peter would be used to establish the global church. He takes James because James would be the first martyr. And he takes John because John was given the responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. He was given the responsibility to take care of his mother and he would be responsible for penning the book of Revelation. I would argue that these three needed to see what they were about to see in order to serve their particular future. I would argue that these three needed to see what they were about to see in order to serve their future. And I want you to grab this. God won't walk you into a future without the necessary photography. God is not about to walk you into the future without the necessary photography. Photography is this idea of exposure. In order for a photo to be completed, it has to be exposed to a unique level of lighting. In the same way, in order for a future to be complete, it has to be exposed to a unique level of lighting. And so James, Peter, and John needed this level of exposure to equip them for the weight of the responsibility that was getting ready to come their way. And I want you to hear me. Your level of revelation Revelation oftentimes determines your level of responsibility. Write that down. Your level of revelation oftentimes determines your level of responsibility. In other words, God stretches the capacity of the people that he has chosen so that those he's chosen can carry heavier burdens. The point is, Jesus took three out of the 12 and those three needed to see what they were getting ready to see so space could be created in their heart so they can be uniquely strengthened for their unique responsibility. So revelation and responsibility go hand in hand. Ask the apostle Paul. Paul said, I have a thorn in my flesh that's getting on my nerves. And the only reason I have it is because of the revelation that I was exposed to. You are seeing what you are seeing because God wants to create room in your heart for what he's getting ready to bring you into. But we don't get this. Like we should. We don't understand I write this down, that your requests come with capacity requirements. Your requests come with capacity requirements. And I want you to be honest. Do you really have the capacity for what you're asking God for? Do, do you have the patience capacity for what you're asking God to send you? That there's a single person who's watching me. Do you actually have the love capacity for the relationship you're asking for? And oftentimes, in the spirit, there are requirements that come with certain requests. The best way I can illustrate this is uh, my five-year-old son, my eight-year-old son now, but when he was five, we took him to this uh, amusement park in our city called Worlds of Fun. All right. And so him and his brothers, they go to Worlds of Fun and Aiden's getting mad because his brothers get to get on rides that he can't get on. And he's like, it's not fair. They're doing me an injustice. I'm sick of them. I hate mommy and I hate you, daddy. I'm sick of this. Why can they ride stuff that I can't? But what he didn't realize is that they weren't performing an injustice against him. They weren't being unfair to him that the requirement was meant to keep him safe. So I took him back the next year. He had grew three inches and the rides he couldn't ride last year. He could ride this year. 
So what does that mean? He had to grow a little more in order to handle the force and the violence of what he wanted to ride. And what if I told you, God told me to tell you that you've got to grow a little more in order to handle the force and violence of what you're asking him to do. There is a capacity requirement that comes with your request. And it is exposure that creates room in your heart for that particular future. Somebody say amen to this. Let's look at Luke 9, 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, James, and jo- Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. Somebody say Peter, John, and James. Now, geographically, you need to understand that this mountain was Mount Tabor. And at its highest point is 2,000 feet. 2,000 feet. Write that down. 2,000 feet. That's important. So here's Jesus basically saying, I want to go up to this mountain to pray. So Jesus is saying... Let's climb at least 2,000 feet. Let's exert a whole lot of energy to do something we could have easier done on the ground. Jesus, we can pray down here. Jesus, we can talk to the Father down here. Why do we have to climb 2,000 feet in the air to do something we could easily do on the ground? What is God trying to get us to see? That sometimes God wants to see if you can still do up here what came easy down there. God wants to see can you keep the same level of praise up here that you had down here? Can you keep the same focus you had up here? Can you keep the same worship up here? Can you keep the same prayer life and forgiveness life and faithfulness? God knows us. What does he know? He knows that nothing can cause stagnation in us like elevation. Nothing causes stagnation like elevation. You know I'm telling the truth. Remember when you ain't have nothing, how hard you used to worship? God gave you a little something. Now it takes too much to get you in the presence of God. Elevation will reveal at the top what you really thought about God at the bottom. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? They could have easily prayed at the bottom of this mountain and seen the same things. But Jesus said, no, I need to see if you can do what you've been doing at the bottom. Can you keep it going on the top? And can I preach? To somebody in here who's ready for God to take you to another level, but God is waiting to see, can you still maintain the level of responsibility at the bottom of it if I put you at the top of it? Jesus was getting ready to put them through all kind of stuff just so they can pray. It's because God has to show you who he is. Watch this. Not just in the calms of your life, but in the climbs of your life. Who's in a climb right now? Character is built in the climb. Tears are shed in the climb. Tension is developed in the climb. Watch this. Relationships are broken in the climb. You get to know who you are in the climb. You get to see what you're made of in the climb. 
because it's in the climb up the mountain that we can appreciate the glory on top of the mountain. And so Jesus said, I need you to climb. And so according to the text, Jesus only talked to them about prayer. He never mentioned glory. He does not say, I'm going to take you up to show you my glory. He says, you're just going up to pray. He never once mentioned Jesus planned on glory, but brought them into this moment of glory with just the invitation of prayer. He knew what he was going to do before he got there. They didn't know. It never says that they asked him to go pray. He asked them. He messed with them. He bothered them. Watch this. A destination they needed was accessed through a door they didn't ask for. He, he messed with them. Peter and them chilling. He said, let's climb this mountain and do something on top of it that we've been doing at the bottom of it. He bothered them. Why? Because the destination they needed was access through a door they didn't ask for. What, what do you do when God gives you what you need? But through a means you didn't ask for? I'm, I'm talking to somebody in here. Somebody say, I didn't ask for this. I, I didn't ask for this pain. I didn't, I didn't ask for this foolishness. I didn't, I didn't ask for this loneliness. I didn't ask for this pressure. But I think what Jesus wants us to know is that glory is on the other side of what you didn't ask for. What are you enduring now that you didn't ask for? What are you faced with now that you did not formulate with your lips and ask God to do? And you're looking at it as if God is not answering your prayer. What if I told you that the thing you're looking at that you did not expect and that you did not want to take place is the exact answer that you need? Jesus said, I'm about to give y'all what you need. I'm about to give you what you need in a way you did not ask me to do it. Why? Because we'll ask God to give us what we need in ways that are most comfortable and compatible with us. We'll ask God to give us what we need in ways that are most comfortable and compatible with us. But the Lord says this door you're walking in is unrecognizable. You don't even realize that on the other side of this is glory. You don't even realize that on the other side of this grief is glory. You don't even realize that on the other side of this pain is you don't even realize that on the other side of this loneliness is consecration. You don't even know. So a destination they needed was access through a door they didn't ask for. I didn't ask for this. He messed with them. He messed with them three. Why? Because those three would be instrumental in building the church. Peter, upon this rock. Petrus, upon this little piece of a bigger rock, I will build my church. James, you're going to be the pastor of the entire Judeo-Christian church. And John, you're going to take care of my mama and live long enough to write the letter of Revelation. I need you to see my glory. You just didn't know you needed to see my glory. Who am I talking to who've been asking God to show him your glory, but you thought he was going to give you goosebumps and make the hair stand up on your neck. But God said, since you asked me to see my glory, I'm going to put you in some difficulty. I'm going to give you something you didn't ask me for because in that place is where my glory. Uh, Jesus knew at the bottom of the mountain what he was going to do at the top of the mountain. He knew. They didn't know. 
Jesus knew at the bottom of the journey what he was going to do at the end of the journey. He knew they didn't know. He knew they didn't know. And I need to tell you this. Don't forfeit a new level because of a lack of knowledge. Please, please, whatever you do. With your I need to know everything self. With your I want to be in control of everybody and everything self. Please do not forfeit this next level because, of a, because sometimes not knowing is the thing that's going to keep you going. Y'all, y'all didn't, y'all didn't. I thank God for the times he didn't tell me what was finna happen. Because if he told me what was finna happen, I wouldn't have took the, if he told me January 21st, 2005, both my mother and my father would be killed in a plane crash. I would be newly married six months with my wife. She'd have a miscarriage. We'd have to raise my two younger siblings. But out of all that, people will get saved, healed, delivered, and set free. I say, God, get out of my face. If he told me. I love it when God tells me stuff, but sometimes you got to learn to praise God for what he ain't telling you. Can I talk to somebody who's mature enough to thank him for the stuff he ain't discussing with you? Can I, can I talk to somebody in here who's watching me from wherever you're watching me, wherever you at in your kitchen, can you thank God right now for him not, dis- it, takes, it takes maturity to praise him for not knowing. I know I ain't by myself, man. Had I known that, I wouldn't have done it. Had I known that, I wouldn't have said yes. Had I known they would betray me, I wouldn't have said yes. Had I known they would have left me, I wouldn't have said yes. Had I known they would have ran my name in the streets, I wouldn't have said yes. But I'm praising him, not for the stuff he's telling me, but I'm thanking him for the stuff he's not telling me. Because sometimes what I don't know is what's keeping me moving. Jesus knew they didn't. They said, all right, cool, we're going to go pray. They get there, something else happens. Luke 9, 29, 31, and he was praying. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. I love this. I'm in there. And his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory... And spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So now Jesus gets to the place where he literally unzips his flesh. He unzips himself and he transfigures, he metamorpho, he he changes entire natures in front of them. The, The glory and light shines forth from him. While this is happening, the Bible says Moses and Elijah appear. So Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophetic and Jesus is the embodiment of grace and they both came to serve Jesus they both came to the point uh, uh, to point to the supremacy of Jesus so the purpose of taking them up the mountain was not to wear them down but to reveal to them who he was at a deeper level so here's the glory of Jesus revealed to James Peter and John here's the moment that everything's getting ready to change here's the moment that they finally see who he is here is the purpose of the entire climb here is the reason that they had to work and exert and cry and pant and sweat and exert energy and have to stop and rest and be tired here it is now let's see their reaction to it verse 32 now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep 
This is the moment. This is the moment where everything is about to make sense. Where the 5,000 was about to make sense. Where the deaf ears was about to make sense. Where the lame walking was about to make sense. Where the dumb talking was about to make sense. They get into the moment and all of a sudden, them Negroes sleep. They were asleep. Why? Don't you rag on them. Don't you come down on them. Don't you talk about them with your hypocritical self because you be sleep too. I be sleep too. Why were they sleep? Ask yourself. They were sleep because they were tired from the journey. Watch this. I took my wife. My wife likes dates. Anyone, where are your wives at? Husbands, where y'all at? Y'all know the wives, just, they just like, they like movies. Let me tell you about my wife, though. She like movies, but don't ever watch them. So one day she come on, baby, take me on a date. Take me on a date. Take me on a date. I'm like, baby, where you want to go? She said, I want to go to the movies. This is a movie I want to see. So we get dressed. She get dressed. She spent three hours in the bathroom putting on eyel- you know, eyelashes, eyebrows, just everything. So we get to the movies. My wife is the type of person... That she cannot watch a movie without refreshments or snacks. Okay? They cost a small child. But you go in there and you buy them. You give them an arm and a leg and you buy the pop. She got to have the popcorn. So we get in the movie theater. We get the tickets. We get the popcorn. She watching the previews. Ooh, I want to see that. Ooh, I can't wait to see that. Ooh, I want to see that. The movie comes on. Ten minutes into the movie, she sleeps. Every single time, 10 minutes into the main feature, she sleeps. We could have stayed at home. We pay all of this. And now when it gets right in front of you, you sleep on it. I'm like, baby, why are you sitting through all of the features? Why are you sitting through all of the previews and let the anticipation build for the feature and you fumble the feature? I'm going to say that again. Why are you sitting through the previews and when the feature gets here, you fumble the feature? You watching me right now? You in here? You have already paid the price of admission. You've paid in blood. You've paid in sweat. You've paid in tears. You've paid in sleepless nights. You've gone through the process of making sure you're ready. And I believe that I was sent to tell you that what you've been waiting on and what you've been waiting through, you cannot sleep when it's in front of you. You've been through too much to sleep on it. Why sit through all of the previews? Why endure through all of the heartache? Why endure through all of the mess-ups and mishaps and then fumble the feature presentation? They were chosen to go on the mountain with him. And now they've allowed what they went through to get there. To overcome what Jesus wanted to show them when they got there. 
Think about your journey. Think about what brought you to this moment. Think about what you're asking God to do. Peter, James, and John needed to see this because of the responsibility they had. They needed this revelation. Jesus gives it to them. They're asleep because of the journey. Because they felt they just needed to get there. Watch this. Don't let just getting there become more important than getting what there wants to give you. Don't let getting there become more important than getting what there wants to give you. Where is your there? Where is your there? What are you asking God to do? What are you asking God to heal? What are you asking God to fix? What are you asking God to unearth, uncover? What are you asking God to break through? That this journey is just taking so much out of you that you just want to reach there. But be careful not to just want to get there and not get what there wants to give you. There are things that God places there that you need. So at the top is where Jesus unzips his flesh and he reveals his divine nature. And three, he chose to go with him, their sleep. And I looked at the text and I'm like, how could y'all be sleeping like this? How can y'all miss what God is doing? How can you miss what Jesus is showing you asleep? And I started to judge them. And I'm like, I would never miss it. And the Holy Spirit got me. And then he reminded me of something that I think we don't talk about a lot in the church. The exhaustion of obedience. The trauma that comes from obedience. What are the things that God has told you to do that have broken off lifelong relationships and have caused ripple effects of trauma? Folks don't know that obedience is oftentimes exhausting. Doing doing the right thing and not seeing the results. Sowing and not seeing the harvest. Singing and not seeing the shifting. Worshiping and not seeing the transformation. But doing it out of obedience to God. Even when joy may not be in my heart. Out of obedience I'm serving him. Out of obedience I'm loving him. Expecting him and believing him to restore unto me that joy. But what do you do when obedience becomes exhausting? That's what was wrong with him. That's what the problem was. Jesus with his holy self wasn't tired. But Peter, James, and John were exhausted. I'm talking to somebody who's exhausted. 
This is not for everybody. This is somebody who is exhausted. You are tired of the routine. You are tired of the disappointment. You are tired of the discouragement. You are tired of the craziness. You are tired of the, of the circles. You are tired of not seeing what it is you're believing for. But I believe God sent me from Kansas City to tell you, don't sleep during the good part. What happens? Jesus unzips himself and he shows his glory. He shows them what they need. And so what's the good part? The good part is the God part. And the God part is the glory. And the God part is the glory of Jesus. After, watch this, the journey with Jesus. What mattered? Did, did the only thing that mattered is what happened at the top? Or what did what matter is what happened on the journey. The journey with Jesus. Most people want to be, want to have what Jesus wants them to give. But what about the journey with Jesus? It's the journey with Jesus that builds the faith. It is the journey with Jesus that helps you appreciate the top, the glory at the top. It is the journey with Jesus that helps you understand who he is and who you are. God part is the glory with Jesus after the journey with Jesus. And we can say what we want about Jesus. But what we can't say is that he didn't climb with us. You, you can say what you want about Jesus. But what you cannot say is he does not know the climb with you. Paul said, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. That we have not a high priest who has not been touched by our weaknesses and, inf and inf infirmities. So one thing you cannot say about Jesus is that he was absent from your journey. But Jesus climbed the very thing you climbed and he's climbing what you're climbing now. And he told me to tell you that glory is at the top. But don't go to sleep. Somebody like I just want to get there. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of going crazy. I just want to get there. And when I'm there, everything will be over. It'll be over. I'll finally get this place that I want. I'll finally get this gift that I want. I'll finally get this anointing that I want. I'll finally get this breakthrough that I want. But I needed to tell you that you cannot let the climb convince you that the stop is just, the top is just a place to stop. The top is not just a place to stop. There's glory after the climb. And that glory is at the top. Did you hear what I said? The good part is the God part. And the God part is the glory. And the God part is the journey with Jesus. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I believe that there's somebody under the sound of my voice who is climbing. You're climbing something. 
You may be trying to climb out of a, a mountain of depression or a mountain of anxiety or a mountain of, 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 of loneliness. Whatever it is, I believe I'm sent to tell you that there's glory at the top. There's glory at the top. There's glory at the top. There is glory at the top. And no, you didn't ask for it. Sometimes God got to give you what you don't ask for to give you what you need. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, don't sleep during the good part. Can we just close our eyes right now? Thank you, Jesus. Can we just close our eyes and lift our hands and just begin to worship the name of Jesus? I, I want you watching me right now to, to just begin to worship the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray. Thank you, Jesus. For somebody watching me right now who's in the steepest climb of your life. You are in the steepest climb of your life and you are being presented with the reality of yourself. You are seeing yourself like you've never seen yourself. You are being confronted with yourself like you've never been confronted with yourself. Thank you, Jesus. And your, the number one thing you keep saying to God is, I didn't ask for this. But this is not what I pray for. This is not what I'm believing for. This does not look like the prophetic words that have been spoken over me. That this does not look like the vision that I have for my life. Thank you, Jesus. I believe the Lord is saying to you right now that it's the vision I had for your life. It's the vision I had for your life. And though it may be unrecognizable to you in this season right now, this unrecognizable door, this climb that is bringing exhaustion into your soul, this climb that is bringing fatigue into your spirit, this climb that is exhausting you in the area of spirituality and obedience, it's going to be worth it when you get to the place that I want you to be. Because there is glory at the top. That I'm going to show you things about me that you never thought you would be able to see. But I got to show you things about you that you never thought you'd be able to see. But what you can't do is sleep. Don't let this season lull you to sleep. Don't let this situation lull you to sleep. Don't let this circumstance lull you to sleep. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. 
I know you don't know which way is up. I know you don't know where to go. I know you don't know what's happening. I know you're discouraged. I know you feel like quitting. I know you feel like getting up, giving up. But God said, don't sleep during the good part. The good part is coming. The glory is coming. The good part is the God part. And the God part is the glory. The glory is coming. The glory is coming. The breakthrough is coming. The manifestation is coming. The miracle is coming. It's coming. It's coming. The Lord told me to tell you that it is coming. coming it's coming but you got to wake up you got to wake up and say I know he hasn't brought me this far to leave me where I am you got to wake up and say I know he hasn't placed me in this situation to let the situation swallow me but I know that it's if I endure just a little while longer if I keep climbing if you keep climbing if you keep walking, if you keep moving, you will see glory like you've never seen it before. Can I get somebody just to open your mouth and begin to give God a praise like glory is on the other side of this door? Come on. Come on, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I got to take you through this is because the weight of your responsibility the weight of your the shoulders you got to have I'm talking to somebody who's been carrying people your whole life I'm talking to somebody who's been the pillar in your family the whole life I'm talking to somebody dealing with death right now I'm talking to somebody who's carrying the death of family right now and everybody's reaching out to you and everybody's calling you with the responsibility you have, you need the glory that you get ready to see. You need the glory that you... 
Thank you, Jesus. Revelation is for responsibility. You cannot ask God to show you something if you're not willing to hold something he gives you after he shows you. God does not give futures without photography. Listen to me. Listen to me. He has to expose you. He has to expose you. That's literally what happened. Even in photography, light is what develops photos. The glory of the light of Jesus shone. And that is what burned in them. Watch this. How do you know? Because John then wrote, and we behold the glory. Remember in John 1? As of the only begotten of the Father. Where did he behold it? Right here. That's why he's able to speak about John 1. In John 1, that's where it comes from. He said, I seen it. Peter seen it. James seen it. We know who he is. John's gospel. Jesus is God. I know he's God. How? I saw it. I was exposed to the light and circumcised by the light that the rest of the flesh was cut away from my heart. And I saw him clearly after he unzipped himself. I want to preach to somebody that Jesus is getting ready to unzip himself. And you're going to see him clearly in the situation. Thank you, Jesus. That's what happened. Circumcision happened. Jesus, before this circumcision, there were several births. Those miracles he did, he, he birthed little bits of revelation of himself. But at this point was a complete cutting away. I'm going to show you exactly who I am. But they almost missed it because they were asleep. Sleeping in scripture is always related to prayerlessness. In the church today, we major in performance, minor in prayer. But in this season and over the next three months, we're going to have to minor in performance while we major in prayer. September, October, and November are going to be pivotal. And the reason God is calling you to your closet this month is because you're sowing seed that you'll reap over the next three months. Thank you, Jesus. good part is the God part the God part is the glory the journey to Jesus and the journey with Jesus can we pray thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Father I praise your name I give you glory for everybody watching me now God I pray that the person mid climb I rebuke that spirit of quitting. You can not quit. You can not quit. 
You need to see what's at the top of this mountain. Peter needed to see it after Jesus was resurrected. Before Jesus died, he said, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith fail you not. Because once you're strengthened, I need you to turn and strengthen your brothers. Peter had to lean on this revelation to sustain him after his crucifixion. You don't know what's coming these next three months. You're going to need the revelation of August to sustain you over September, October, and November. In Jesus' name, God, keep them from quitting. They're too powerful to quit. They're too anointed to quit. They're too important to your plan to quit. They're too important to their lineage and legacy to quit. If they don't get it, nobody going to get it. If it can't come through them, who else is it going to come through? You cannot let them give up, Father. So I pray strength right now in their spirit. Strength in their soul right now. Father, I pray that they get emotionally healthy in this season. I pray that they get mentally healthy in this season. I pray that they deal with grief and unpack stuff out of their soul and spirit in this season. In Jesus' holy name, I declare they will not sleep. They will not sleep. They will not sleep during the good part. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.